0: Welcome to Poets and Writers. This is Henry McCarthy coming to you from the beautiful Emory and Henry College campus. And we have a great show for you today. We have the living legend Eugene Wolfe. Eugene, how are you today?
1: I am fine and dandy, Henry. Thank you.
0: Well, as we like to ask around the mountains here, and you got to weave in Cas Walker on this one. Where are you from?
1: I'm from Greenville, Tennessee, down in the East Tennessee, and uh, we had a TV in my house that picked up Cas Walker uh, six days a week at like six a.m. in the morning, and then seven o'clock on Saturday night. You know, so I was, I am Cas Walker.
0: Well, now you played on his show, didn't you? In
1: 1965. My grandma uh, asked my mama, who lived in Knoxville at the time, I was going to spend six weeks with her while well, school was out, and my said, get him on the Cas Walker show while you're down there. And my mother was like, what? So she called the the TV station and said, um, uh, yes, I was just wondering, my son is interested in being on the Cas Walker show. And they said, okay, bring him on down. And my mother was like, what? It's that easy? And so,
0: yeah, it was. That's why I was on. Well, now, the folks around the valley here, the old timers, I'm sure some of you remember Kaz Walker. But I have to tell you, Kaz became mayor of Knoxville. But he started out with the Kaz Walker grocery stores and he was a coal miner and just a uh, really a character to say the least and he had didn't he have dolly parton on and many of those people starting out down there eugene yeah
1: i think dolly came down from the mountains from Sevierville and was on his show at first she talks about that and i think he told the everly brothers that all that butt wiggling wouldn't sell groceries <laughs> so he sent them on their way
0: <laughs> okay eugene wolf folks of you that know anything about barter know eugene wolf eugene has been in many great plays there and really is one of my favorite actors and so Eugene wanna to talk to you about your experience in Barter. Now you've been away from Barter but we'll get to that, but talk about some of your favorite shows that you did for Barter.
1: Well the very first show I did was um a show called The Bear Facts with which was a Joe Carson play. Um, and that was that was my kickoff and, that, man, I have been given so many beautiful opportunities at Barter Theatre. I have played Willie Loman in Death of a Salesman. I have played King Lear. I have played Iago in Othello. Um, and I have played Fagin in Oliver, Daddy Warbucks in Annie. And I guess one of my favorites and really one of my signature roles is... um. A.P. Carter in Keep on the Sunny Side.
0: That's one of my favorites, Eugene. And I've told you this before. I was a little skeptical because I knew the Carter family, and I knew Jeanette quite well. I knew when she started the fold, and I thought, well, I've got to go see how this is done, and I hope this is not a lot of hype, but I tell you, you nailed that role. That was brilliant, and it was a brilliant play. Well, oh, thank we, you. We thank you for that history around these mountains. and
1: It's a beautiful story, you know.
0: Well, how did you happen to come, how did that play happen to come about? There's many stories about who wrote it and so on. How, what is your
1: Well, as I understand it, um, a doctor from Marion, Virginia, Douglas Pote, um, came to the region. He married somebody from the region. I think maybe he was from Massachusetts. And he came and married a woman from the region. And he started going to the Carter Fold and realized how much he loved the music and just the culture of that place. And so he came to Rick Rose one time at the barter and said, you need to do a play about the Carter family. And Rick Rose said, all right, why don't you write it? And lo and behold, he did. He went home and started putting pen to paper and came up with this beautiful uh, rendition of the story of the original Carter family. And then, as I understand it, he worked with... um, John Hardy and with Rick Rose and Nick Piper over the years and honed the play to make it a little more theatrical. And he has gone on to write two other beautiful shows, The um, Man of Constant Sorrow about the Stanley Brothers and also Jimmy Rogers, America's Blue Yodeler.
0: So it's sort of his trilogy. Some great names there, Eugene. And were you, did you have to try out for that I'm just curious about that, or did they just come in and say you're ideal for this part?
1: Well, I had been—I was at Barter in—I came in May of 97, and I stayed through December of 98, and then I moved to New York City, and I stayed there until— September of 2000, but during that time I kept coming back to barter and doing plays. I got to play President Nixon, as a matter of fact, in one of those, in Nixon's Nixon, which was one of my favorite plays I ever did there. But I had moved out of New York in September of 2000 and lived in Asheville, North Carolina, and again kept coming back to barter. And finally, in July of 2002, Rick Rose said, Eugene, we would love for you to play A.P. Carter. He already knew what I sounded like. He knew who I was, so he just decided that I would be the guy to play A.P., and what a beautiful opportunity and a stroke of luck that has been for me.
0: Absolutely, and Rick, uh, Rick certainly has an eye for talent. You know, that's why he's never cast me in a play down there, Eugene. <laughs> <laughs> oh, don't be so hard on yourself. No, no, no he, he's, he is great. He really is. And is great. And I've dabbled a little bit around the edges with them over the years. So, down we come down to what you, we know what you've been doing. So, Eugene, talk a little about what you're doing now.
1: Well, um, I have been writing a one-man show. I've been telling these stories for years, and finally it was time to put it down on paper. I've been telling stories about my grandmother, Mamaw, because she was a huge influence on my life, and she was one of the most inadvertently funny people that ever lived on the face of the earth. So I decided it was time to write. And my friend Brian Tibbs up at the Lincoln Theater uh, said, Eugene, we're looking for, to do some more local Stuff would you be interested in doing anything? And I realized that this was my calling. This was the time to actually write the play. So I have written a one-man show called The Book of Mamal, And we I performed it at the Lincoln Theater back in October. Um, and it's already got life. It's got some beautiful life. My friend uh, Suzanne Boulay... Uh, who I met at Barter 20 years ago, a director who just directed Million Dollar Quartet there. She was um, here and we decided that she could help me shape my stories because I have a trillion mammal stories. So she was the one that said, no, not that one. Yes, that one. No, no, not that one. So she really gave me, she deepened the whole arc of the story for me.
0: Now, talk a little bit about Mamaw, and of course, that's Grandma, but around the valley and the mountains of East Tennessee and Southwest Virginia and Western North Carolina, we talk about Grandma and Mamaw, and our two-year-old says Meemaw now, but Mm -hmm. talk a little bit about uh, your grandmother.
1: Well, um, I ended up with my grandma and my granddaddy because my mother and my father met in 1953. He was a Marine over at Camp Lejeune. And my mother was staying with her sister and her husband over in Kinston, North Carolina, working at the DuPont plant. Mm -hmm. And I guess she went to Fayetteville one night down to that military mess and met her, a Marine from Wisconsin, Charles Wolfe. He was good looking and knew it. Um, He was smart and a smart aleck along with it. And he could sing like a bird. That's what my mamaw always told me. But they got married, and that didn't last too long. I was born eight months later, and then nine months after that, he ran off. And my mama found him up in Illinois, as mamaw says, and had him brought back and put in jail, and then bailed him out. And he ran off again, and this time for good. And... um So my mama went to work after that, and we lived with mamma and Daddy. I called my granddaddy Daddy, which confused everybody. Um, But when my mother remarried when I was three, I decided I didn't want to go with her. I didn't know who she was, and I didn't know that man. So I was able to go back to mamma's house and live there. So... That was another stroke of luck. I've been a very lucky man in my life.
0: Now this would would be Greenville, Tennessee. Right? Yes, Greenville, well, Tennessee so you, is. You one. grew up there in your grandmother and grandfather's house. Mm-hmm. In, ta- in, in town, in, in, I'm in a townie. Town. Right, <laughs> right. Well, you're a townie there from Greenville. Yes, the big city of Greenville. So, your this artistic interest in you mentioned that your father could sing like a bird. Mm-hmm. So, and did. Did that, do you think you inherited that? And did you grow up singing in the church also?
1: Oh, yeah. We went um, We went to the Church of Christ, and they didn't have a piano. They, it says, sing and make melody in your heart, not on a piano. And so I got really kind of steeped in the sound of the voice. So I learned to sing at the Church of Christ. Um, and... Also, I was really inspired, first of all, by the Valleydale Pigs on TV. And I don't know who wasn't inspired by them, really, you know. I mean, they could sing, they could march, they could play instruments, and they look good in their uniforms. So I tried to crawl in that TV and be a Valleydale Pig. And, well, I think I'm getting awfully close now at this age, you know.
0: Well, that that is so interesting. Now, after you got into acting, you went down to UT, I think, and played in the band one semester. Is that right? That's right. And then yes. did you go to New York or just talk? No, a bit. no.
1: I I went to I went to um, University of Tennessee on a clarinet scholarship, and I spent one one quarter. It was on the quarter system. And I spent one quarter in the band, two quarters in the band. I marched in the first. Um, The first year I was there, I got to march at all the football games, so that was fun. And then I went into concert band, but by this time, I was taking some acting classes, and I decided that I would much rather be a theater major than a music major. So I switched majors and, and just stayed at school at UT.
0: So, you were there for how many years then? UK?
1: Well, I was in Knoxville for eight, eight years. years. Oh, I was yeah. at UT for four years. Okay. Here's how I put it I attended the University of Tennessee.
0: I got you. <laughs> yes, sir. Right there. You and right around Kaz Walker there. Yes, he's he, was still, he was still going stores. Kaz Walker's too. grocery store. I'm sorry, folks, out there listening today. This is Henry McCarthy, Poets and Writers, W E H C 90.7, coming to you from the beautiful Emory and Henry College campus. And I'm just having a ball with Eugene. We go way back. I went to East Tennessee State, and we've talked before about, Eugene was on the show one time before when we first started, and we got a number of compliments on it, so I wanted to certainly have him back on again today. Eugene Wolf, a fantastic actor, certainly out of barter, and Eugene, so you went up to New how long were you in New York? Because I'm intrigued by this, because I think you did, uh, one of your songs that you did was... Uh, Pearly Mae, Walking Down Broadway, and so forth. Yeah,
1: but, that but, was in a, that's a, that's one of Ed Snotterly's songs. I have a band, I'm in a band called The Brother Boys, and I've been singing duet-style country music with Ed Snodderly for a number of years. And um, that was a song that he wrote about his grandmother. His grandmother's name was, was Pearl. And so he wrote a beautiful song called Pearlie Mae, and we ended up doing that on the Jerry Douglas album, Slide rule. So that was back in 1992, I think.
0: Okay, now you have your new show. We sure, certainly want to talk about that. And folks, stay tuned because we're going to get Eugene to give you a sample of what he's doing uh, with his new show. And again, I have to get that title. It's The Book of Mamaw. So talk a little bit about that title and talk a little bit about the show. You've told us a little bit about, about it. but
1: Well, the, the title is, you know... Um... I had a very religious upbringing. My grandmother was a devout Christian woman. And she was pretty strict. So the title comes, it's a play on a number of different things. You know, the Book of Job. We talk about the books of the Bible. So the Book of Memo, it includes that. (laughs) But Then there's also a new Broadway show, fairly new. I mean, six years or whatever, called the Book of Mormon. And so... My show is not just um, a dogmatic diatribe about having grown up in a Christian household, but there's um, a lighthearted look at all that, too, and also a look at how do you integrate something so strict into a life that is looking to be an entertainer? you know i mean i wasn't allowed i, was not, I wasn't i was not allowed i was not supposed to play cards i was not supposed to go swimming i was not supposed to watch movies um of course smoking and drinking was totally but i was a kid i wasn't doing that um but you know it's it was um it was a fine line to walk and so my show is about how do you walk that line and keep your head above water sometimes
0: you know Growing up in the church, as many of us did, Eugene, what do you think you gained from growing up in the church? And by that, by religion, what what values did you come from that? I know I was talking to a fellow on the Creeper Trail the other day, and we were sharing uh, our experiences growing up in the church and what we got from it. And, of course, if they had a good potluck, Eugene, I was there. You know, well, know, That was in always, the social yes. aspect. but what, <laughs> what? How did that shape you somewhat?
1: Well, um, what shaped me was the example of my grandmother. I watched my grandmother be kind to people, to everybody. I watched her compassion. We were always going to visit the sick and the shut-ins. We were always going to the hospital to see whoever was sick and memma would on the way in to see whoever was sick she'd knock on pretty much every door in that hospital and just say who's in here do i know you oh okay well i'm wishing you well you know she was she showed me the beauty and the power of kindness which really is there much more to religion than kindness and compassion for your fellow human for everything that's living and which I include the earth, the living earth. You know, so that's sort of where I come to in my show. My show is about how do you distill the doctrine and still live a life? How do you distill the doctrine? I guess
0: do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Yes, there is a
1: that's that seems golden, doesn't it? Somehow. And
0: also the community of church, you know? Well, of course, uh, yes, some beautiful I, I, I people. Pot yes. luck, but you had a community and and well, and probably only Ed Sullivan, was that and Cas Walker were the only two shows you watched on TV. You didn't spend a lot of time in front of the TV. You put, you know,
1: well, you know, here's, a, here's what was funny. My granddaddy, my granddaddy loved the TV, but he also loved Kaz Walker. He, that was the first thing I heard in first thing in the morning. His I think his show came on at like 6 a.m. And my granddaddy would be up watching Kaz Walker, chewing his tobacco already, sitting in the corner and loving what he heard from Kaz Walker.
0: You're listening to Eugene Wolfe today on Poets and Writers. Eugene, we're going to get you to play a little bit from for you, from your new show that's going to be out there. And you mentioned you're going to be at Down Home and many different places. But tell us what you're going to play for us today and talk a little bit about that. Didn't You wrote the whole show, I assume. Yes. Okay. What
1: I'm going to do today, I'm going to talk to you about Sunday morning. Speaking of, this seems to be our theme today. You know, Sunday is a day of the week that you never mistake for any other day. Somebody can always say if it's Saturday, oh, you know, people say, oh, it feels like a Saturday. Oh, it feels like a Wednesday. But unless it's Sunday, nobody ever says, oh, it feels like Sunday. So I'm going to talk to you about what Sunday was like at my house as I was growing up.
0: And you associate Sunday with what? What do you associate Sunday with, Eugene? Oh, church. Church. Period. Church. Absolutely. Getting up and getting dressed and the fellowship. Did you look forward to it all the time? Or
1: Yes. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, it was, it was just part and parcel of my life. I was there Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. Anytime we had a revival, anytime the door was open, we were there.
0: All right, ladies and gentlemen, listeners out there, we're going to hear from Eugene Wolf, and he's going to play some of his music from his upcoming show and, as I said before, great actor, and I think Eugene's going to be back. He told me back at barter uh back in um, not too distant future right eugene uh-huh this first this first rep coming up in twenty eighteen all right, well, let's get Eugene on now, playing some of his music from his uh new presentation and his new show book of Mamma. i love that title and thank you for listening to poets and writers today and as we fade on out of here we're going to listen we've allotted some time for eugene because it's not often that we get this special of a guest so here we go eugene and thank you folks out there for listening
1: i liked being at mamaw and daddy's house it was safe it was solid And there was always some kind of music going on at my house. Now, when I say that, I don't mean that anybody was playing instruments. No, um, Mamma was always humming some Carter family song as she went about her day. You know, keep on the sunny side as she was flipping her eggs, really. (laughs) And then she was always making up little songs as she'd dust or sweep. We're traveling east, we're traveling west. We don't know which way is best. And then there was always the television. Now, my granddaddy owned that television. And if you wanted to watch a TV show, you had to go through him to make sure that you could watch it. But luckily, he liked the music too. He liked local music. He liked Bonnie Lou and Buster. Okay, okay. And he also liked Kaz Walker, Shop at the Sign of the Shears. (laughs) And then, there was always the music of Sunday Morning. Day is dying in the West. Heaven is touching Wait and worship while the night Sets her evening lamps alight Through all the night Holy, holy, holy Lord God of hosts Heaven and earth are full of thee Any more stockings in there? I can't... These are not my stockings. I know they're not. I did not buy these. I would not buy nude. Oh, and these don't fit. I ain't wearing these. And all my other stockings have got runners in them. What am I going to wear to church? Oh. Mama I loved getting dressed for church on Sunday morning beautiful jersey dress with a million pleats in the skirt, big old high heels and a pocketbook to match and a layer cake hat. And then she would tip into that church like she was a country Coco Chanel. Morning, Brother Brewer. How are you? (laughs) Good to see you. I I hope you don't have it too cold in the church this morning. (laughs) You don't want a lot of us to be wishing we could go to the other place. <laughs> yes. Oh, Viola, hi, honey, how's your mama? Oh, when'd she go back in? Oh, I hate to hear that. I did. Well, i tell you what, me and Jean, Jean, church is about to start Get in there. Me and Jean will come by and see her tomorrow. Where is she? Don't Laughlin's? All right, okay, church, get ready to start. I usually sat next to Mama and Daddy at church. Mama always had Juicy Fruit or Tea Berry Gum in her pocketbook. And this was a chance for us to get settled and to see who was at church that Sunday morning and who wasn't. And then there was always the singing. Now, I grew up in the Church of Christ, and we did not have a piano, so I got steeped in the sound of the voice. And when there's no instrument to cover it, you can hear the heart in the voice. My granddaddy. Hallelujah, thine the glory. Hallelujah, Amen. Hallelujah, thine the glory. Revive us again. Mammal, Mammal sang the angels. Singing was in her core. I mean, she didn't sing big, she just sang. And if she was singing a hymn, you Knew it was to praise her Lord. One time, out of the blue, she said, "Phillips McCaslin told me I had the prettiest voice." Phillips McCaslin was our very handsome song leader. I told him that I had gone to singing school out in the country at the Mount Olivet Church of Christ when I was a young girl and had learned to sing the shape notes. He seemed very impressed. La, la, so, me, so, la, la, so, me, la, so, me, la, so, la, so, me, la. What wondrous love is this, oh, my soul, oh, my soul. What wondrous love is this, O my soul? What wondrous love is this that calls the Lord of Bliss to cast aside his crown for my soul, for my soul? To cast aside his crown For my soul. Mamaw loved her Lord more than anything. And she was serious about the steps it took to get to heaven. And there was very little wiggle room. I'd bring a friend home, and Mamaw'd say, "Uh, Randy, where do you go to church? Uh, The First Baptist Church, Mrs. Rader? (laughs) Well... You can't help what you've been taught. One time I asked her, I said, Hey, Mamma, do they have the Church of Christ in Africa? No. What? Well, does that mean all they're all going to go to hell? Yes. What? Matt? Jean, we have been given the task of taking the Lord to them. With Memo. It was all or nothing, and I was always trying to figure out